0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from First United Methodist Church in Downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok.
1: Welcome. It's so great to have you guys in service today, and if you're joining us and worshiping online, we're glad to have you. I Check today, and because you're attending on a holiday weekend, you're going to get extra credit in heaven. So, they're sad. You're going to get some new things. And I also am so grateful to be preaching on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Pastor Michelle's already told me I, I owe some payback for this, getting to preach on Pentecost Sunday. It's one of my favorite days. I'm Ray Wheeler, by the way, if you, if you don't know who I am. Uh, but it's one of my favorite days because I think in the Methodist Church, we sometimes don't realize how important the Holy Spirit is in our worship. Every Sunday morning, when Pastor Michelle says, she invites us to the table of grace, she says, it doesn't matter if you're a member of our church or if you even know if you believe in God. (laughs) How can she do that? She does that because this is the table of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is doing the heavy lifting and doing the transformation. We believe in that. So that is a powerful uh, message that we can enjoy and celebrate today. Don't think that we're, because we're not having some kind of ascetic, uh, uh religious experience, we don't believe in that, we absolutely do. But the good thing is we get to think and also reason. Uh, so so it's, a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful combination. We are continuing our series through Psalms, and the Psalms begin life as lyrics. And so I think it's really appropriate for us to wrestle with the idea of the Psalms by comparing the Psalms to our contemporary music scenes. And we've been doing that. Don't miss next Sunday, Gospel Sunday is gonna be really wonderful music. Um, But uh, today we're talking about folk music and comparing the folk music to our Psalms. And we take the English word folk, folk comes from folklore, but that English word comes from the German word spelled V-O-L-K pronounced the same way folk. Um, So, and it means people in German. So we're just talking about music of the people. And a lot of scholars don't think that folk music is a very good label because it's so broad. I mean, I have had people come up to me all week and go, hey, are you going to include country and Western? Are you going to include, you know, upper Slavolia music? I mean, there's so many pieces. And uh, so music of the people." I think there are, even though it's a broad category, we know when we hear folk music, we go, "Oh, I know what that's got a guitar, it's got a banjo, or it's got a you know," or, or we can tell those sorts of things. So, our scripture lesson today comes from Psalm 119, verse 1 through 8, and verse 25 through 32. So, please listen for the Word of God contained in our Holy Scripture. Those whose way is blameless, who walk in the Lord's instruction, are truly happy. Those who guard God's laws are truly happy. They seek God with all their hearts. They don't even do anything wrong and they walk in God's ways. God, you have ordered that your decrees should be kept most carefully. How I wish my ways were strong when it comes to keeping your statutes. Then I wouldn't be ashamed when I examine all of your commandments. I will give thanks to you with a heart that does right, as I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes, please don't leave me all alone. And from verse 25 through 32, my life is stuck in the dirt. Now make me live again according to your promise. I confess my ways and you answered me. Now teach me your statutes. Help me understand what your precepts are about, so I can contemplate your wondrous works. My spirit sags with grief. Now raise me up according to your promise. Remove all false ways from me. Show mercy to me by means of your instruction. I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I'm set on your rules. I'm holding tight to your laws, Lord. Please don't let me be put to shame. I run the same path as your commandments because you give my heart insight. Would you bow for a word of prayer with me? Holy God, please speak through me this morning so that because of me, or in spite of me, your great love may be known to your people. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our way, our truth, and our life. And all God's people say, amen. this morning, I wanna relate some elements of folk music with Psalm 119 from where our reading comes. Now I have done extensive listening to folk music. I always liked folk music, but I've listened a lot for this uh, sermon. Unfortunately, I couldn't put everything in the sermon that I listened to, but I did put a little, there's a little sheet on the back that's called Ray's Very Incomplete List of Folk Music that I've run into that I like a lot. So, uh, if you're interested, I I put that up for you. I didn't make very many copies because sometimes maybe it's too much. I don't want to do too much. Um, But some of the elements in folk music, I want to relate. So, Uh, The lyrics for folk music are often presented in even stanzas. And if you look at Psalm 119, it reveals that it's also structured in even stanzas. There are 26 stanzas with eight lines each. Uh, This psalm is one of several in the psalms that's an acrostic. It's a a mnemonic device. So in one of my Bibles, I have a, a lot of Bibles, but in one of my Bibles, it tells you the Hebrew letter You know, it just starts with letter A in Hebrew, and in each one of those stanzas starts with that letter. Uh, The folk songs often tell a story, and a folk song may have many verses that have accumulated as the song's been taught by word of mouth and people add their own uh, verses. And uh, this psalm is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 176 verses. I didn't think I should read all 176 today, so I picked a little out. And folk music is often very personal, deeply personal, and it expresses longing or nostalgia or a desire to do better or be better, coupled with a knowledge of our human failings. So Psalm 119 is a very personal cry from the heart about our individual strivings and failings to do the good that we know to do. Now, as a practical matter, not related to our reading, Many folk singers do not have traditionally beautiful voices. I put Bob Dylan on our home speakers. We're singing a beautiful arrangement of his uh, times they are changing in the traditional service this morning, but I wanted to hear Bob Dylan do it, and I put it on our home speakers, and my wife Pam called out from the other room, can you turn that noise off? I'm trying to work in here. He does not have a beautiful voice. And and God saved me. His guitar sounds out of tune all the time to me. I don't know if it's a bad voice or I don't know what it is. But he is what we would know as a great song stylist, I think. He's a wonderful poet. He won a Pulitzer Prize for poetry. I don't know if you knew that, but I, don't, I never understand his lyrics. When I'm hearing him sing them, I have to look them up, read them. So p- personally for me, I like to listen, when I listen to music for pleasure, I like to listen to unusual or unique voices. Uh, I studied how to sing properly, but that's work. I want to hear somebody really, you know, sing in an unusual or interesting voice. So I often listen to songwriters who do not possess traditionally beautiful or classically trained voices, but who are great poets and who demonstrate the gift of what I was talking about their song styling. And uh, examples for me are Leonard Cohen, he's a Canadian singer, songwriter, who is a brilliant poet, but he really has a sort of a pitched growl in his voice. It's not, well, sometimes it's an unpitched growl, it's not a really pretty voice. And my favorite in this category is Tom Waits. Does anybody ever listen to Tom Waits sing? Yeah, some of you, so you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, Tom Waits uh, does not have a traditionally beautiful voice, but he is a remarkable poet. The first time I saw Tom Waits sing was on a late-night TV show. This is many, many years ago. That late-night TV show is no longer on. But he comes walking out, there's a grand piano on stage, and he comes out, and he just has himself and a stand-up bass player, and he sits down at the piano, and he plays this song of his that he wrote. He plays and sings uh, this song uh, called On the Nickel, and it's kind of a lonesome lullaby of a song about homeless folks who gather on Fifth Street in some large city. And from the way Tom Waits is dressed and the way he sings, you might think he's probably spent some time on the nickel. He's, he looks pretty rough. And I was mesmerized by this. It, it, was just, it was shockingly good, I thought, and shockingly compelling. So the next day, this was on a Friday night, next day, Saturday morning, I went right to my record store and bought the album Heart Attack and Vine. It was vinyl albums back then. And uh, I brought it home and I listened to the whole album. It was wonderful, I listened to it for several days. And then I had a friend who came over who was also a music teacher in the area. I said, oh, you gotta hear this guy, he's amazing. And I put him on and my friend listens politely and intently for about two or three uh, tracks. And then he he looks at me and he says, you paid money for this? (laughs) So my lesson from that was, we don't always recognize the same truths in the music we hear. Or the other alternative lesson is there's no accounting for taste. So there's also that. So I can trace my love of folk music back to a time I spent in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was teaching at the University of Cincinnati. And uh, Bentonville, Arkansas was as far north as I'd ever lived in the United States. I lived in Oklahoma and Texas and Bentonville, Arkansas. So when I moved to Cincinnati, I thought, I'm going to the far reaches of the north, Hinterland, but I was not. If Cincinnati sits just on the north side of the Ohio River. It actually makes the, the Ohio River is the Mason-Dixon line. So Kentucky is just, the northern Kentucky area is part of that Cincinnati greater area. So the music you would hear if you went out to listen to music was bluegrass, and it was really good bluegrass, and I grew to love bluegrass. And I, I, I still listen to it today. And that's how I had folk music streaming on my computer in my office when one of my graduate students came in to ask me a question about the class she was in. And the artist singing at the moment was a guy named Doc Watson. His stage name is Blind Doc Watson. And this was not a music my student was accustomed to hearing when she walked into a music professor's office. So she says, who is this? She stops right in the middle of her question. Who is this? So I told her, and she listened real carefully for a few minutes, and she said something I'll never forget. She said, there's a lot of truth in that voice. And that was so powerful to me. I think I wrote it down. I probably have it in a folder somewhere. Because that said, I've been thinking, why do I love this voice? Doc Watson is really known as a guitar player. I mean, really, seriously, fine guitar player. Picking and flat picking. And when he sings, it's kind of whiny and kind of, you know. But there's an authenticity there. A, he's lived some life. And you hear that in his voice. And so that, to me, was some important, uh, that phrase described, why sometimes when I hear music that's not traditionally beautiful, I hear the truth in it. I hear that, that authenticity behind the singer. Um, and it's related to a, a quote about country music that's credited to another great country songwriter, Harlan Howard. Howard wrote lots of music that, if I named them all, you would know a lot of these. But he said, every great country song has three chords and the truth. That's the elements of great country. And it's the type of truth that's important. The truth in Psalm 119 is a personal truth. The lyricist in Psalm 119 is flawed and he's lamenting these flaws. They're very personal and there is a longing in these verses. While the Psalm is extolling God's laws and commandments and the Hebrew word Torah, which is translated as law, is really more like loving guidance. It's more like a mother guiding her children rather than an exacting judge, and that makes our singer's shortcomings and failures all the more painful. Our singer laments their connection with the dust in verse 25 when they cry out, "'My life is stuck in the dirt.'" Some translations read, "'My soul cleaveth to the dust.'" The psalmist is crying out, oh God, I know you love me, but I'm too human for your high precepts. I can't shake off the dust of the earth. I want to soar like an eagle, and instead I'm wallowing in the dirt. Teach me your truth, I'll do my best to rise. And folk music is also full of those all too human faults, jealousy, addiction, human loss. If only I could be a better person, they would love me. Or if only I were more attractive, they'd want me. And at times I see this kind of yearning and loss contained in what might seem like upbeat or happy music. There's really no happy music in folk music. Even the happy stuff. I, I was listening today to uh, an artist, Mississippi, John Hurt, and he's singing a song, it's real happy sounding. It's uh, the mermaids flirt with me. But the point of the song is when I die, just throw me into the sea. Cause the mermaids flirt with me. So there's always that moat of death or moat of sadness. The most shocking example we've done here in this church, I've led you all in singing, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. So while I was listening, I heard the Johnny Cash version of that, and I realized what the verses said. Well, Johnny Cash version is not happy. Uh, The other night, dear, as I lay sleeping, I dreamed I held you in my arms. When I awoke, dear, I was mistaken, and I hung my head and I cried, You are my sunshine. I mean, it's really sad, even though it appears to be happy. So a happy song might contain this mote of sadness and loss, and we see this in Psalm 119. The psalmist is imploring God to help in their quest to follow the law, because their human failings are painful, they need help. And this dichotomy occurs again and again in this long psalm. And it puts me in mind of Psalm 51 and six, where it says, you desire truth in my inward being, therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. You desire truth. And I think the problem our psalmist has is that they have to, all they have to fall back on is the law. And the law revealed the truth told you what rules you need to follow, but it did not provide the spirit or the power to be able to follow the law. And I believe we see this throughout Psalm 119. We really literally see that throughout the whole Psalms. A Psalm seems to be saying, I want to know the truth, O God, I want to follow your commandments, but I'm stuck on this earth, and as the translation verse 25 says, I'm in the dirt. And this reminds me that this morning we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, and that's why I I'm wearing red, and I have the first thing Pastor Michelle said is, you've got to get red tennis shoes for Pentecost Sunday. So I went out and got some red tennis shoes for Pentecost Sunday. I'm glad I did. So we have all this red, and today one of the things I love is a chancel choir is these beautiful red stoles, and they're in perfect shape because we only wear them once a year. (laughs) If we remember it, we wear them once a year they always start saying, hey, when can we stop wearing robes? Not before Pentecost Sunday. We gotta put on our beautiful red stoles. So this celebration of Pentecost puts me in mind of what Christ said in John 15 and 26. Jesus said, when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The writer of Psalm 119 knows he needs the truth but he doesn't have the Holy Spirit to teach and lead. They don't have the intercession of Christ and the overwhelming and abundant grace of Christ. They only have the law. And even though the Hebrew word for law is Torah, and it's the most tender application, the law is still death, as Apostle Paul says. I wanna read just a portion of the story of the day of Pentecost and see how this might relate to our discussion this morning. From Acts chapter two, verse one through five. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound from heaven, like a howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire lighting on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered, and they were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. The Holy Spirit was breaking down the barrier of the truth so that everyone could hear it in their own language. And even though this was music like they'd never heard, they all heard the Galileans as they worshipped and praised God. And they all heard the truth of the Holy Spirit and beloved, I believe the Holy Spirit can speak through us today and animate our words and actions so that we can bring in those folks in our community who are lost, who are lonely or just need a place of community where they can feel welcomed and loved and cared for. Now I'm not talking about an ecstatic shouting and arm waving religious experience. I believe the Holy Spirit can guide us in our words, in our acts of kindness, and the radically inclusive and joyful worship that will draw hurting people to our community. And that's the kind of spiritual truth that I believe God is leading our church into as we work together to build the kingdom of heaven here in this little corner of the world. So when we hear a beautiful folk song, or for that matter, any type of music, in which we think, I really hear the truth in that music, or in those lyrics, or in that voice, remember, while we're still stuck in the dust, we've been given the Holy Spirit, and we can rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and strengthen us in truth and enable us to share that truth with our hurting world. And thanks be to God, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at FUMCBentonville.org or on Venmo at FUMCBentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example for radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.